0: Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, and this is another one of my first looks at the investigator cards from the Scarlet Keys Investigator Expansion for Players. Are they called player cards? The player cards from the Investigator Expansion for Players. One of those things. We're going to get there. This is the final first look, and I'm recording this a couple of days after I recorded most of the other first looks because I ran out of time. My voice slightly gave out. And then I realized it wasn't just that my voice was tired, I had a sore throat and I was falling ill. So, if the takes are not to the usual high standard or low standard, depending on how you feel about my first looks, it might be because I'm ill. But I don't feel that bad. And I'm actually really excited to finish this first look journey. And I'm really hopeful that you've enjoyed it. So, yeah, it's been a really cool thing to kind of dive into. And let's see how the finale is. We're left with one faction it's Survivor. Little reminder before we go further, I'll talk about the Investigator, but really only to give us context for the cards. I'll look at the customizables, but not in a lot of detail, and we'll go from there. There's plans to do other things about those. And also, I've been talking to Peter behind the scenes, and we're going to do a little special something, I think, on Drawn to the Flames Discord channel, which you can get access to if you're a patron at any tier, in terms of Making some kind of a plan for how we can all as a group talk about these cards in a more structured way because obviously it's been like a huge amount of cards what 120 cards, something like that, over 120. It's a lot to get one's head around. So I have some plans afoot for making that happen in a more structured way. Final thing since I was recording the other things, I did get a chance to go and play at an event. We played the Blob that Ate Everything, it was super fun, and I ended up playing Amina Zidane which meant I got to play with Astral Mirror, so I'm doing some of my card ambassadoring already. I was doing an Astral Mirror, no arcane slot, lots of hand slots with the new charm assets, and I just had an absolute whale of a time. It was really fun. Cackling every time an enemy died at my location and got put in the binder's jar. Eldritch Initiation for four cards each time I played it, and no discards which was like, obscene. And then Sinita readying the charm assets, going doom crazy, just having an absolute blast. So uh, yeah, it was really cool. And Astral Mirror was really fun within that. It was, I suppose, not like insanely good. And I'm already cooking up a couple more Astral Mirror decks. I have in mind maybe a Dexter deck because you can get access to some hand slot items from Rogue. And one of the things I quite enjoy in Dexter is running something like Scroll of Prophecies, which he can obviously use his ability to get rid of when he's finished. But the idea of extra hand-slots in Dexter is really cool. And then, of course, the other great home for Mirror is Patrice, because she essentially has one hand-slot because you really want that violin down. But giving her more hand-slots and moving into a style where you lean into using the hand-slots... She could even use the charm assets, and she can then get willpower replacement in her hands, which is pretty cool, I think. I didn't maybe make a big point about that all the way back in the first first look, about how we're now seeing willpower replacement leave the arcane slot, and that's pretty cool. Anyway, this isn't a mystic review, but shout out to Astral Mirror and the Card Ambassador Project. This is a survivor review, our final faction. I don't even need to roll the random number generator, because every number points to red let's try and survive my throat as well as we get through this so our survivor investigator is daryl simmons who is announced by miskatonic university radio he is the photographer two willpower five intellect two combat three agility stats are all over the place there he's reporter traded you begin the game with daryl's kodak in play free trigger during a skill test at your location spend one evidence from an asset you control reduce the difficulty of this test by two Limit once per test. Elder Sign Effect plus one. Place one evidence on an asset you control. The truth is darker than any of us know. Six health, eight sanity. So he starts the game with Daryl's Kodak in play. Importantly, his ability, you can just spend an evidence from any asset that has an evidence to spend. It doesn't have to be from the Kodak. We'll see that that does have evidence. But... Obviously, we should look for other cards that have evidence. And we've seen in the Seeker preview, things like research notes has evidence. What else has evidence in the Seeker cards? Because he has access to Seeker. Spoiler. Alchemical distillation has supplies. Empirical I- empirical hypothesis has evidence as well. Dissection tools has evidence. And then research notes. Yeah. Any higher level ones? I don't think any higher level ones. Secrets on Orphic theory. Supplies on fingerprint kit. So yeah, there's already some evidence cards in Seeker, and I really like seeing all the cards in this massive clump like this and thinking, hang on, which of the cards are Vincent cards and which are actually Daryl cards? Now, we talked about Daryl in our First Impressions episode a couple of weeks ago now. Peter played Daryl, he played the Butterfinger style, so that style is all around dropping clues for effects, and particularly dropping clues to trigger research notes, which then generates evidence. I think there's another style out there, which is around Difficulty 0. And let's take a look if we see things in this Survivor set. I've seen from some of the announced cards that there might be a Difficulty 0 style. What do we already have that plays off Difficulty 0? Well, we've got things like Flashlight and Old Keyring that drop Difficulty. And then we've also got the Improvised Events. So Improvised Weapon, Impromptu Barrier and Winging It. They drop the difficulty by one, and if they're played from your discard pile, they have some extra effect. Two clues for winning it. Is it more damage? I think it's two damage from improvised weapon when it comes from your discard pile. So yeah, there are options there. Why I think that's interesting is obviously Daryl doesn't need help really with his intellect, and he could be running, say, a flashlight, but he could also just run a magnifying glass and be at a very respectable six intellect. But if he's going to get anything done around his combat or agility, he probably wants some help. Agility, less so. Pop on some track shoes and he might be alright. And similarly, with the willpower of two, he's going to need some sort of support as a survivor. Maybe that's just by being lucky or by running soak. We know that there's lots of soak in Survivor, in the form of the coats, the keepsakes, Jessica and Peter. But maybe it's also that he's going to pass some treacheries by making them less difficult. The other thing to note, of course, is that his ability is once per test. So what you can't do is stack evidence and then go into a really hard test, like attacking the blob at difficulty 12 or 13, and just drop it to zero because you've stored all the evidence. You can only ever drop by two. So that means if we're looking for real difficulty reduction, maybe we're combining his ability with those other tactics. Um, Tactics as in those other ways of dropping, not tactics as in tactic cards. Although I'm pretty sure improvised weapon is a tactic. Anyway, that's Daryl's front. But what about his back? 30 card deck size, survivor 0 to 5, seeker 0 to 2, neutral 0 to 5, requires the Kodak, ruined film, and a basic weakness. Pretty straightforward there, I think. We know about this as well because we've talked about it in our first impressions episode. So the Kodak is a two cost asset with intellect, agility, and wild icons, item and tool traded it's Daryl's deck only. After an enemy or treachery enters play, as a reaction, exhaust Daryl's Kodak. place one resource from the token pool on that enemy or treachery as evidence. Second reaction ability, after you discover any number of clues, move that many evidence on enemies or treacheries at that location, or not at any location, to Daryl's Kodak. I initially found this a little bit hard to get my head around, but I actually think it's a fairly simple thing. An enemy comes into play, let's put an evidence on it. If I can then, as Daryl, get a clue at the location with the enemy, I get that evidence as well. Where that's obviously tricky is, is that enemy engaged with me? And therefore, are they hitting me as I'm trying to investigate before deal with the enemy? But Daryl's second best stat is his agility. So maybe your style is, I'm going to evade the enemy first, then I'm going to investigate and get the evidence, and then I'm going to move on. Or you might also be looking for fast clues so maybe that's working a hunch. If it's instead a treachery, maybe you're doing a treachery test and putting in true understanding and getting a clue. Something like that. So there are definitely ways in Seeker about getting around that and sneaking some clues. In Survivor, I'm not as sure there are. They're not, there's nothing that's springing to mind as a kind of around-the-back-door plan, but as ever, My mind is fallible, and particularly today working through this in a bit of a fug. Other thing to note, most treacheries don't enter play. They have a revelation effect, and then they go straight to the discard pile. So they actually enter, I think, what is now termed as Limbo while they resolve, and then they disappear. I'm pretty sure that's Limbo for them. Yeah, so Limbo was added in the most recent FAQ while the effects of an event or treachery card are being resolved, or while a skill is committed to a skill test. It's neither in play in the discard pile, nor is it in an investigator's hand. For the purposes of rules clarifications, this liminal state is called limbo. So, you know, I use Rotting Remains as an example often. It comes into play. No, it doesn't come into play. It comes into limbo. Its revelation reads, test willpower three. For each point you fail by take a horror. You do that and then it leaves. So that means I can't add a resource as an evidence from Daryl's Kodak on Rotting Remains because it's not entered play. It's neither in play in the discard pile, nor is it in an investigator's hand. It's just being limboed. And it says investigator's hand because that's more for events. So that's worth noting that the kinds of treacheries that you might want to put evidence on are things that are going to stick around. So that could be a dissonant voices. It could be some of the hexes from the Circle Undone. It could be an entombed or an overgrowth. It could be cards that stick around, essentially, The other thing to note is that the Kodak does exhaust, so were you to draw, say, a swarm enemy, you can only put out one evidence. You can't get really cheeky where you suddenly slew loads of evidence out and then get clues and get evidence back. And evidence on the Kodak is really only fuel for Daryl's ability. There's no ability on the Kodak that allows you to do anything with that evidence. As we talked about in the first impressions episode, having other things to do with the evidence I think is a really cool way of playing Daryl. It's a sort of Mr. Evidence style where, ooh, an evidence can be draw a card. Ooh, an evidence can be getting clues. Let's do different things. And actually, that's part of where empirical hypothesis He says, reaching behind him back for the seeker cards, is pretty cool. Because with the empirical hypothesis, you have spend evidence, draw a card. But in theory, you could put irrefutable proof, which is 3 XP, on the hypothesis, which has spend three evidence, discover one clue at your location. So with that, and maybe one more tick for a... Uh, a new criteria, perhaps, such as enter a location with three or more shroud, something like that. You could have a way with the hypothesis of getting a clue fast, even when there's an enemy on you, by spending evidence. And even though it says spend three evidence, of course you'd then be getting the evidence off that enemy from the Kodak back onto the Kodak. So you'd be net minus two rather than net minus three. It's maybe not the best thing in the world, but yeah, it's good to have other options. Ruined film is his weakness, it's a treachery, blunder-treated. The film actually looks okay, although it is exposed. Revelation. Remove four evidence from cards you control. For each evidence you cannot remove in this way, take one horror. Irrefutable proof, reduced to nothing by the light of day. No choice here. When this triggers, you get me to lose four evidence. Which is a pretty mean hit. And for each evidence you cannot remove in this way, take four horror. Uh, Take one horror. (laughs) Take four per evidence. No, take one per evidence. So Max is taking four here, which is pretty mean. That's half of your sanity pool. I don't mind if I'm losing, say, two and then taking two horror, but the really nasty thing is how much evidence gets wiped out. And as we've just been talking about these three cards, you can see that for some of the evidence generation, it could be a little bit fiddly, particularly with the Kodak. For things like Hawkeye Folding Camera and the Dissection Kit, Hawkeye in particular, it's the last clue at your location. In Solo, I can see that getting a lot of evidence pretty swiftly, so that's not too big a problem. For the Dissection Kit, that is... I really just need all the secret cards right next in time. They're just next to me, but sort of behind me. After an enemy at your location is defeated, place a resource on this card as evidence. So that's going to be a bit harder. To get that to three evidence, you're going to need to kill off three enemies... You could be having the dissection tools down and be paired with someone who's defeating enemies, at which point it just gently ticks up. It's just worth bearing in mind. I think what it really says to me as well, because it targets four evidence, is that we're dealing with someone where one thing that's unclear at the moment is how much evidence will Daryl have to play with. Do you build to a position where, say for the last four turns of the game, every single test you reduce the difficulty by two? Or is it more that you're picking and choosing and you're using that ability, say, three or four times in a game? I am heavily inclined towards closer to the former. I don't know if necessarily making all of your endgame tests easy is the way forwards. But I think we're looking at evidence around the 12 to 15 mark, maybe more, depending on how you're generating evidence. And I'm basing that partly on seeing that ruined film kills four evidence and partly on my experience in the first impression play. So that's Daryl. First up, we have the Pocket Multi-Tool. This was previewed by Los Archivos de Arkham, and actually we talked about this card as well in our final preview stream. It's a three-cost asset with a wild icon, item and tool traded, customizable, limit one per investigator. During a skill test, you're performing Exhaust Pocket Multi-Tool. You get plus one skill value for this test. But wait, there's more! Lovely flavor takes up a hand. So it's a a mini lucky, it's a lucky in, forgotten the word, it's a lucky in penknife form, not exactly at this point, it's just a steady plus one, and it's a plus one to anything you're doing, which is nice. And then as we've seen from the upgrades, for 1xp detachable, other investigators at your location may use the ability, so you can boost other people. Infuriatingly, they've put a hyphen in multi-tool there, but not anywhere else but that's just me as a proofreader. For another 1 XP pry bar, you get an additional plus 1 skill value if this is during a skill test on a treachery. So for 2 XP, you have essentially an unexpected courage to give out every turn to someone, the skill test on treacheries. Or just for 1 XP, you have it for yourself. There's sharpened knife. For 2 XP, you get an additional plus 1 skill if this is attack. The signal mirror, you get an additional plus 1 skill if this is during an evasion. This Magnifying Lens, you get an additional plus one skill if this is during the investigation. They're all for 2 XP. And then there's a 3 and a 4 XP. 3 is Lucky Charm. After you fail a skill test, ready Pocket Multi-Tool. And then finally, Spring Loaded, Pocket Multi-Tool's ability is now a Reaction ability with the trigger when you would fail a skill test you're performing, Exhaust Pocket Multi-Tool. So if you combine those two for 7 XP, when you would fail, you can Exhaust the Pocket Multi-Tool to get plus one skill. If you're still failing, this would ready but if you're obviously passing, you're not getting it back. I don't know if they actually combine that well. The reason I said it was as like a mini lucky is because of spring loaded, that you can have it as a way of responding to failure rather than having to put it in ahead of time and then drawing a zero anyway, or whatever it is. So a nice mixture there. I like that this customizable develops based on what you want your investigator to do. It could be the generalist thing that you're giving out a plus one to everyone, but it could be, that you are using the multi-tool as Daryl say in solo and you're using it for attack and evasion and maybe with spring loaded so that would actually be 8 xp and this is a plus one for attacks and evades that you can trigger when you would fail so that's kind of nice won't go into more detail about that because i know that the customizables are something that we do want to explore but next a card i don't know the makeshift trap This is another customisable, one-cost event with intellect and agility icons, improvised and trap-treated. Rushing to Arkham DB here to pull up the trap-trait, because I've not seen traps for a while, and there was always talk about how a trap deck could be a thing. Yeah, (laughs) the snare trap and under surveillance, and that's it. Snare trap attaches to your location. After a non-elite enemy enters the location... Exhaust that enemy, disengage it from all investigators, and attach Snare Trap to it. And when attached enemy would ready, you just discard the Snare Trap for 2 cost and 2 XP. And under Surveillance is when a non-elite enemy enters attached location, discard under Surveillance, evade that enemy and discover one clue there, and they don't ready for 3 cost and 1 XP. So those are our two traps. Of course, Hiding Spot and Lure are cards that people have included in that trap style. I'm a little bit taken aback that there's only two traps, actually. Anyway, what does the makeshift trap do? Artist Tiziano Baracci, it's a man just, oh, he's, I think it's a man, could be a woman, putting string, c- attaching it to a nail, I think sort of making a little trip. So it's customizable. It uses two time. Well, this is lovely, particularly after the uses two ether as well that we saw. If makeshift trap has no time, discard it, attach to your location. Each non-elite enemy at attached location gets minus one fight and minus one evade. And at the end of the round, remove one time from makeshift trap. So it lasts for two terms because I play it, and at the end of the round it loses one time. And then then following round it's there, and then it loses one. This ring that bell does feed into our difficulty zero style. We could be giving something minus one fight, minus one evade, an enemy. And if we're Daryl, we could be dropping that to another two so we could be facing difficulty zero for a three evade or a three fight enemy without too much effort it's one cost and an action i like this as well in that support style slightly hinted at by the pocket multi-tool that you put this down when your role isn't fighting or evading but it's to help the rest of the team so it's like oh i'll just i'll just put my trap down i actually think this is quite good for the customizable at level zero somewhat specific But particularly in multiplayer, yeah, I'll help everyone. I'm giving all of you plus one for your attacks this turn by paying one in an action and putting the trap down. But let's see what the upgrades do then. Oh, it's a big, full upgrade sheet. There's two 1xps. The first is Improved Timer. When you play Makeshift Trap, you may increase or decrease its uses by one. Okay, very curious about the decrease the uses, because why would you want it to hang around for less time? There's also Tripwire. Only trigger makeshift traps for stability if there are one or more enemies at the attached location. Wow, okay, so you put the trap down. If no one draws an enemy, you're doing it proactively. You don't lose any time. It just waits. If you're putting this on a choke location where you're expecting to do fighting, like say you're putting this in the hallway in the gathering, and you know that ghouls are all going to start making their way towards the parlor through the hallway, if no one has any ghouls, the trap doesn't do anything. Of course, this only focuses on non-elite enemies, so planning to use this for, say, the Ghoul Priest is not going to help. And of course, this is 1 XP, so unless you've done in the thick of it to start with Tripwire on your trap, that's not going to help as well. 3 2XPs. Simple. Makeshift trap games fast and play during any free trigger window. I like that. I think saving the action is cool. Poisonous. When you remove one or more time from makeshift trap, Deal one damage to an enemy at attached location. Ooh. So increasing the uses to three. In theory, you have this around for three turns and deal three damage with this for just 2 XP. And then finally, remote configuration is the third 2 XP option. When you play makeshift trap, you may attach it to a revealed connecting location. Okay, that's really nice as well. Throwing this into a location where there's an enemy and you'd like to go in, but that you don't feel able to handle. Ah, okay, so this is a cool play, I put the improved timer on it so I can increase or decrease by one, I put poisonous and remote on it, that means I can throw this onto a location where there's a cultist, it's only got a single time on it, so it ticks down, well it doesn't matter actually for poison, it doesn't need the improved timer, but that kills the acolyte is what I'm saying, in a turn, bang, you've popped the acolyte, you don't need to go in, it's just one damage. If there's a 3 health enemy that doesn't move, you could Remote Configuration Poisonous Improved Timer for 5 XP, put it on that location, and over 3 turns it's going to die. And then there's two final options. For 3 XP, net. Non-elite enemies at attached location cannot move or make attacks of opportunity. Wow. That's pretty good. Get them netted. Do other things. Don't worry about them. They can't hunt after you. So if that's part of the plan, is throw this trap. I think the really important thing here is the remote configuration. Maybe adding simple to make it fast, but throwing this as a hunter enemy is chasing you, and they now can't move, this is really nice to slow them down. That would be 4 XP for simple and remote configuration. And then another 3, 7 XP to slow down hunters. Okay, it gets expensive. And then finally, explosive device. When makeshift trap has no time and is discarded, Deal three damage to each enemy and investigator at attached location. Ha <laughs> ha! Back we go to improved timer. You could decrease the time to one, and you're playing this, and at the end of the round, boom, you're dealing three damage. You're probably not doing that and poisonous. <laughs> Why? Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're doing explosive device poisonous improved timer, seven XP, and loads of damage. What a lovely, interesting card. I'm really impressed by this. I just love the the playfulness of it. I love the options for doing weird things with it. I think I could make it work in solo, probably. But it probably shines in multiplayer when the map's more opened up and you can do things. It is an event, which means... I was wondering about the decrease in the time of getting this back to hand somehow. But of course, what you're really going to do as an event is either resourceful it back to hand, or if you're Wendy, replay it from the amulet or something like that. And did they rule on Wendy? I think they've ruled on the amulet that when things leave play, the amulet does still force them to the bottom of the deck so that you couldn't just keep recurring it. I'll double-check that. Ah, the forced effect triggers after the event is played, before it's placed in your discard pile. If the event would not enter the discard pile at this time, for example, an event that attaches to a location such as Lure or stays in play for a period of time, then this forced effect does not trigger. In other words, Lure would be discarded as normal because it's not been discarded at a time other than after you play it. Okay, straight away I'm kind of into this, in a much bigger way, with Wendy. Replaying the trap with the Lure, uh, with, the, <laughs> with the Wendy's amulet is super cool. Lovely. Yeah, that's a shout-out home for it, I think. I think with Recursion you can make use of it. And I just like the idea that you could say, Hey, my role, say, say in Daryl actually, my role is mostly Clues but I have this weird tricksiness where I can make enemies a bit easier to deal with, and also I could maybe be exploding them or poisoning them for you. I could be doing that quickly, at range, all of that sort of thing. Lovely. Next is Grizzled. This was announced by Mythosbusters curse their cursed name forever. This is our third customizable. It's a skill. Is this our only skill customizable? I think so. Innate and developed, and it has a wild icon. It's customizable, and when you purchase Grizzled, choose and record two traits on its upgrade sheet. If this is a skill test on or against an encounter card, including fighting, evading, or parlaying, and is investigating also, Grizzled gains two wild icons for each of the chosen traits that encounter card possesses. I don't think that would help with investigating, because you're not. The location is giving you the difficulty, but it's not a test on a location, is it? I don't think. Whereas if I fight, I'm fighting against an enemy. Anyway, this is one I mentioned when we looked at favour in low places. That cares about traits in your deck. This cares about traits... I could put, say, item and, I don't know, tome. Not necessarily a good idea because this gives me boosts for skill tests on or against an encounter card if they have the chosen traits. If they can have both of the chosen traits, you could get this to be a plus five. And that's pretty nice. I think straight away I go to Hex. I've mentioned Hex already. You know that you know in TCU you're going to see Hexes. But also we know that some of the most common traits are Monster and Humanoid for enemies. So you could be having this as a plus three when you're fighting monsters or humanoids. And also you could do a bit of tech in Innsmouth. You could say Deep One. You could say Ghoul in Night of the Zealot. There's probably you know there's the Serpent trait in TFA. It might even be a case that when the Scarlet Keys comes out after a face check play, sit down and look at all the encounter cards and work out, okay, hang on, what are the options here? In Edge of the Earth, Hazard, for instance, there's various things like Polar Vortex that are just going to be nasty little... I think that's an agility... Polar Vortex, I don't think, is the one. There's another one that's an agility test at the end of the turn. So yeah, having a boost there. So the sheet, you've got two spots for the traits. For one XP specialist, choose another trait. For two XP specialist, choose another trait, so you're up to four traits then. Suddenly this is a three wild icon card for lots of things. For three XP nemesis, if this is a skill test on or against an enemy with a chosen trait and the test is successful, you may attach grizzled to that enemy. Reduce the difficulty of tests on or against the attached enemy by one. Ring that bell. Mythos hardened for four XP. If this skill test is on a treachery with a chosen chest and the test is successful, you may add both Grizzled and that treachery to the victory display. So it's sort of like an Eye of Truth way of dealing with it. By the way, the art. The Cultist has tentacles coming out of their arm alongside their hand. Pretty horrific. And then finally, always prepared for 5 XP, after you draw an encounter card with a chosen trait, return one copy of Grizzled from your discard pile to your hand. Max once per round. Now, that I think is really cool that you could just pick two traits and then for five XP always prepared, and these self recur every time you draw them. So I draw a deep one, say, deep one is one of the traits, back comes a grizzled, I commit it to deal with that deep one, away it goes again. I draw another deep one, out it comes again. Super tasty. You could do some really playful things with Gloria, controlling who gets it. Obviously, with Silas, you could be pulling this back to hand, which is really nice. The Mythos Hardened is a really cool, different style of using this as a sort of snipe a particular card you're worried about. And yeah, I think the dropping the difficulty as well is really intriguing with Nemesis. So we have seen, just in these customizable cards, three different difficulty-related things. We've got the boosts of Pocket Multi-Tool that could be reactive. We've got the Makeshift Trap dropping difficulty. And then we've got Grizzled, that could be for 3 XP, also attaching to enemies. A curious trio. Into our cards proper, the first card is Idol of Xanatos, Watcher Beyond Time. This is the card that throughout previous season I kept forgetting its name, that an Empirical Hypothesis. It's a 3 cost asset with a wild icon. Nope, that icon does begin with WI, but it's willpower. It's item and relic traded. And it has a reaction ability, when you're dealt damage and or horror, exhaust Idol of Xanatos and discard up to three cards from your hand, cancel that much damage, horror. The weight of it was reassuring, the metal warm against her skin, takes up the accessory slot. Not 100% sure who it is in the art, it could be Patrice, but you can only basically see the Idol and a dress and nothing more. This is a curious card to me. The accessory slot is a very popular slot. This is a level 0 discard enabling ability that means any survivor, or indeed anyone who could take this card, if they wanted to use discard shenanigans, particularly the improvised events, they'd be able to set them up. In theory, this can soak for days for you. So maybe you're trading in your 0-cost keepsake for this 3-cost Idol of Xanatos and using this as your horror soak. But it's incredibly card expensive to do that for any length of time. So for zero cost and a card, you soak two horror with the keepsake. But for three cost and four cards, the idle plus another three cards, that's how you can soak three. So it's a lot more expensive. So what I'd be looking for is to get value over time for this by soaking even more than that. But the more I want to soak, the more cards I discard. So there's maybe a style that's like, I'm just going to slew loads of things into my bin and I don't care. Maybe it's a Wendy style because she's replaying them from the bin. Maybe it's a scavenging style that Daryl could obviously be playing, Bob could be playing, pulling things back. I think you probably want the improvised events, maybe even short supply to make the most value out of it. And actually in that first impressions play that peter and i did one thing he noticed when he looped his deck was he got the improv events back and then was like oh how do i get these into the discard pile this time because there's very few ways of committing them as daryl you're well there's no ways of committing them as daryl you're probably not taking cornered for the boost because you've got so many other ways of either boosting your stat or dropping the difficulty so this could fit into that i don't know if daryl is too worried about damage or horror I suppose the other option here is Calvin, and that you do have this panic button that you can cancel damage and horror, and Calvin might like the improv events for the compression they offer, potentially. So yeah, I could see this sneaking into some people, but I'm not 100% sure where it fits yet, and the three cost is the thing that holds me up. Oh, I mentioned Patrice as well. Potentially Patrice has turns where she doesn't care too much about what's in her hand, but again, still... It's kind of a, a lot to pay for. And the accessory slot, is she not running Moonstone? So, yeah. Next is... Oh, sorry, that was Optimal Play as well who really announced that. And then Improvised Shield was announced by playing board games. Shout out to those two channels. The YouTube lads. This is a one-cost asset. Armor, item, improvised. It can be played only from your discard pile. And has a forced effect. When it's defeated, shuffle it into your deck instead of discarding it. So, you can't just keep putting it in your discard pile. Takes up a hand slot and soaks three damage. Is this a Yorick card? And does Yorick like the idol of Xanatos? Because Yorick replays things that, that he discards. I wondered if the improvised shield is also a possible Patrice card. And maybe it's an Astral Mirror Patrice where you have extra hand slots and you can afford to replay this. For three damage soak, this is soaking a hit from the Watcher from another dimension. So this is another fiddly card. This was early in the preview season that it came out. Peter and I talked about it. It feels like the drawback to get it into play. Why not just run Leather Coat for zero cost, a different slot, and two damage soak? It's You go to quite a lot of effort with this, where it has to first end up in your discard pile. It doesn't have any icons to commit, so you're hoping Short Supply or the Idol or something else has ended up in your discard pile, maybe cornered and then you're playing it back. Maybe the thing to do here is to do the improv style and lean really heavy into it and take idle and this and cornered and just be like, cards in hand are a waste of time for me. I like everything in my discard pile. I replay everything from my discard pile and I'm happy with that. And the final thing to add about this, of course, for Yorick is that does Yorick, well, first, does he have a spare hand slot? Probably not. And second, is it damage soak he wants or is it horror soak he wants? And it's a shame that there isn't a horror version of this, and I wonder if the idol is meant to be that. I feel like the idol needed to be two cost. I know it's a bit <laughs> a bit cheeky to start redesigning the cards as they're here. The three cost is what holds me up there, and maybe the improvised shield would be nice to be zero cost. Something about the cost is making me feel a bit uncomfortable. Clearly, ooh. Okay, next we have end of the road, zero cost event, insight and spirit traded fast. Play during your turn, only if the final agenda is in play. Draw one card, gain one resource, and gain one additional action. Remove end of the road from the game. Flavour, so, should we turn around? It's two people driving towards a barn that's being torn apart by tentacles. I did see in the Frequently Asked Questions something about final agenda. What is the final agenda for the purposes of end of the road? The final agenda is whichever agenda is last in the agenda deck, Or, to put it another way, if there is only one agenda remaining in the agenda deck, that is the final agenda. Some rare scenarios, such as those with extra set-aside agendas, may therefore have more than one final agenda. And you think about there's some other scenarios where they have a final agenda that keeps repeating. So it might be, be, say, a two-doom threshold, but actually not go away for a long time. What do you get for this on the final agenda? You get an additional upkeep. And it essentially doesn't take an action because you gain an additional action. No, it's fast as well. So that's pretty cool. So you're like, ah, running out of time, I'll get a card, a resource, and an extra action here. So basically a resource and an action. Pretty fine, I think. I think... Where Where's my head go to with this? It's very survivory, insofar as it's when you're right up against it and struggling that this would start to shine. It's not in itself... Well, it's it's whatever the opposite of a win more card, isn't it? It's when I'm really struggling and can I pull through? And now we're at the point where the chips are down and actually I can start to pull things together. While I was at this event recently, one of the things I noticed was, of course, some of the epic multiplayer events, they do go on long. And I noticed how decks can start to run out of steam and almost be in a slightly like, oh, I'm just top decking or I'm just stuck stage. And something like this would be really useful in that to say, no, hang on. Just as things are starting to get really out of control and we're rushing, I'll have a four action turn, I'll get another resource, I'll get another card, I'll refuel a bit. I could see that being strong. I think the mistake is assuming this is what you play for your final turn. But obviously the nicer players, as soon as you tick into that final agenda, maybe a big enemy is spawned or something like that. And this is a really nice response to that of saying, right, push now, hard. I'll have an extra turn, an extra action rather, I'll really go hard. So I like that. It's a shame, again, no icons. And because it removes from the game, you're not going to be recurring this with Wendy. So there's no shenanigans there. So you're in this slightly stuck place of what do I do with this up until that point? If I draw this in my opening hand, obviously I am mulligan it because it's only going to help me late game. And that's an awkward place to be for a card that I can't make it work for me earlier on. Of course, I just thought Ash can, of course like Patrice, has a way of discarding cards without icons. So Ashkan could be getting the improvised shield out, and maybe because of Duke, he doesn't care as much about his hand slots, although I'd contest that. End of the road, of course, could be Ashkan fuel. So that's a couple of of options there for he's chucking cards to ready Duke and making progress early by not caring about their icons, and then later he's recurring them for value. Okay, next is exploit weakness. This was reddit who announced this it's a two cost event combat and agility icons this is a card that i think is really cool by the way it's tactic and trick traded fast play before revealing a chaos token during an attack or evasion attempt you are performing and only if the difficulty of this test is currently zero difficulty this test automatically succeeds instead of this test's normal effects Discard the attacked or evaded enemy. If it's elite, automatically evade it and deal it 3 damage instead. How hard is it to get to difficulty 0 for attacks and evasions? Just in what we've seen here, we have Daryl to drop by 2. We have makeshift trap for a non-elite enemy to drop by another 1. And that's all we've seen so far. Future Frank here, no idea how... I somehow forget that I just read out Grizzled. But Grizzled is another thing as well. And I think for the rest of the episode, I forget about Grizzled. So sorry about that. Grizzled is a thing. So difficulty four enemies are going to be a little bit hard. Although if you were to use impromptu barra or improvised weapon, you would be dropping another one. So that would be your way with Daryl to get all the way down. We also saw... Flashlight level 3, you can use charges from that to drop the difficulty of evasions by 2. So you could be not Daryl and still drop, or with Daryl, even without impromptu barrier, you could be dropping by 4, 5 with the makeshift trap. So that's pretty good numbers right there. What this does exploit weakness is say, yeah, you're definitely going to pass because you've dropped to 0, but what if instead of passing, it's a mega pass? And that Mega Pass is a discard for an attacked or evaded enemy, not a defeat, so a shame if it's a VP enemy. But also, it doesn't care about Elite or non-Elite, and in fact, against Elites, it's an auto-Evade and 3 damage. So you could do this as a fight or an evade, and either way, you pass and auto-Evade and do 3 damage. Doing 3 damage in Survivor at level 0 is pretty amazing. And it's just about, can you get the difficulty to a point where you can land that? So, yeah, for me, there's something really enticing about it. I think there is obviously pieces that need to be assembled to make it happen. And if you have this in hand and you haven't found any of those other pieces, you're hoping either for a low evade or low fight enemy and for the to be Daryl or the flashlight. But apart from that, it's kind of, kind of tricksy. But I think I would like to try a difficulty zero Daryl. Where, yeah, this goes in my level 0 deck. And I think the makeshift trap probably goes in as well. I think that's really cool. Next, we have making preparations. This was announced by Strength in Numbers. And they do streams as well to raise money for charity. So if you haven't checked out Strength in Numbers, please do. And this is our first Dilemma. So let's look at the rules. Dilemma. Some player cards in this expansion, namely those with the Dilemma trait, possess revelation abilities. As with revelation abilities on other card types... These abilities resolve when the card is drawn or otherwise enters your hand, not when the card is played. These cards have no cost. These cards cannot be played. Their effects only resolve when they're drawn or added to your hand. After resolving a revelation ability on a player card, place it in its owner's discard pile. And revelation abilities do not resolve during setup. If one or more player cards with revelation abilities are drawn during setup, Wait until the game begins, then each player in player order resolves all of their own revelation abilities in the order of their choosing. So yeah, these are the treacheries of player cards basically, and they appear and ping, they don't have a cost, and they just do a thing. So this is our first dilemma, null costed. Dilemma and tactic traded, so Mark can take it. Max, two dilemma per round, and we're going to hear that a lot. Revelation, choose two skills, willpower, intellect, combat, and agility. Until the end of the investigation phase, each investigator gets plus one to each of the chosen skills and minus one to each other skill. There is certain clarity in the grim mathematics of survival. I saw this in play yesterday. We chose intellect and combat early on. And we just bashed on and got quite a lot done. It was quite nice early on to have a boost to intellect and get clues for both me and the Ashken player. I really like this. The preview was really hilarious and kind of wild. So definitely worth checking out if you haven't. It's a plus two to two stats and a minus two to others. In solo, I'm probably finding things I'm happy with. In multiplayer, it might get a little bit more sticky. It's not peril though, so you can discuss it together. And I think there's something tasty about, well, what do we need to do this turn, or who can se- who can accept going low? If you've got a powered-up Mystic, maybe they don't care if their willpower is dropped. Likewise, if you've got a Rogue who's not evading that turn, it feels like Intellect is normally the one you boost because you need clues, but then you might be in a big fight and drop Intellect, drop Willpower, and give all the physical stats a boost. My verdict is slightly out on Dilemma more generally, Dilemma, and I Dilemma, need Dilemma, to kind of get to a place where I feel okay about them. What I think I'm particularly uncomfortable about is that I draw this in upkeep and it immediately triggers, so I've missed out on an upkeep draw, essentially. I have got an effect for that, and it's an actionless effect, but that losing the card in upkeep I think is significant. Of course, if you're Patrice, you might draw five of these and you pick which ones to trigger and then you're discarding the others, but we can't judge every dilemma by, shall we put it in the person who draws five cards a turn? The other option, of course, is if you put it in Daryl or Min, maybe they're drawing a the lot as a seeker and you're looking to trigger these aggressively. I think there's something to be said for leaning into the Dilemma style. I'm pretty sure there's more coming up where you're like, haha, I'm going to really push and hit a few of these and combining some of the, the different effects or having a series of turns where Dilemmas trigger, that could be something powerful. But it's something I, I think it is a new style which is exciting and it's one that I'd really like to see if I can make it work. I'm wondering if there's an investigator out there I'm forgetting about that could be a good fit for these but yeah not Wendy, not Yorick, not Ashkan I mean Ashkan can at least discard one of these if three have come into hand in in one turn The other thing about that max ability is how many do you run you take. If you're running Dilemma Patrice, do you actually only take two Dilemmas and then see how you go Next is Predator or Prey. This was announced by Miskatonic University Radio. It's another dilemma tactic. Max 2 Dilemma. 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 Revelation. If there are no enemies in play, draw a card. So that's nice. This is a replacement if there are no enemies. Otherwise, you must decide. Choose one. Each unengaged enemy moves once towards the nearest investigator, or each investigator disengages from each enemy engaged with them and moves once away from the nearest enemy. This is one of those ones where I don't think it's actually a dilemma. <laughs> I think you slot this in, say, mark and draw draw aggressively and mark because it's a tactic and you're almost always taking unengaged enemies moving towards you and you're killing them, and that's lovely. Or you're taking it in someone who's evading and getting away from enemies and this gives you even more movement and distance. It could be fiddly where you still want to get a clue somewhere and you've been moved away, but I feel like that's it's not actually a dilemma in that regard. You've probably got a specific thing you want to get out of this card. If you're playing in four-player, maybe you want both things, and it could be an awkward choice, which would also be called a dilemma, I guess. Dilemma. Dilemma. So a flavorful there, insofar as it actually poses a difficult conundrum that there might not be an easy answer for. So yeah, that's, that's kind of cool as well. For me, I like that there's a, a draw here. You know, making preparations, you're picking two skills. At worst, you're dropping two skills and then getting hit in mythos by one of those skills being tested, and then you're not finding a way of testing the other skills. Maybe for some reason you're, you know, locked in place or something like that. That seems nasty. That's a <laughs> true dilemma. Whereas for Predator and Prey, if there are no enemies, you just draw a card, and if there are enemies you get a worthwhile choice. Ooh. The art is beautiful on shed a light. A two-cost event with intellect and agility icons. I feel like the intellect agility in Survivor is a nod to Daryl. It's insight and trick traded. Fast. Play before revealing a chaos token during an investigation you're performing, and only if the difficulty of this test is currently zero. Difficulty zero. This test auto-succeeds. You discover one additional clue at this location and one additional clue at any location. Oh. Okay. This is why Daryl might want to drop the difficulty of Investigates, even though Daryl has an intellect of five, because suddenly, for two cost, he's getting two clues at his location and a third clue. So it's a two-cost double deduction, as it were. Well, it's a clue at range and a deduction, which is pretty nice. But, of course, difficulty zero for Investigates. Hello, keyring hello flashlight those are the things that spring to mind immediately hello winging it winging it gets three clues at your location and another clue <sighs> I'm, my eyes are bulging cool okay two cost is really right for that <laughs> that's a really strong card for two cost it's competing with look what i found and then rather than i'm going to try and underplay this and then scoop two afterwards it's like no 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 i'm going to drop the difficulty ahead of time, auto-succeed, grab clues. I think what you're doing with this is you're finding the location with lots of clues and a low shroud that you're grabbing lots of clues from, and then you're making sure that you've revealed the high shroud location that you might struggle with a bit more. And that's where Daryl, because he won't struggle with either of those things, might really enjoy this card. Cool. Really cool. It's always the way the good cards you just rattle on from. Next is At a Crossroads. This was announced by (sighs) Mythos Busters. This is a 1 XP dilemma. It's Dilemma and Insight, Max 2 Dilemma. Dilemma. Revelation. Choose an Investigator and decide. Choose one. The Chosen Investigator must immediately take an action as if it were their turn, then discards one card at random from their hand. Or the Chosen Investigator loses one action during their next turn, and draws three cards. This one I like. I like actions. I don't mind losing cards. I don't mind losing actions if I'm drawing three cards. (laughs) It feels like both choices are nice, and I think because it doesn't... I I feel like this one is one that's hard to evaluate when we don't know what the play situation is like, but if I draw this and I'm, you know, say, stuck with enemies that I've not got anything in hand will help me evade, I take an extra action and it helps me deal with an enemy somehow, attack or whatever it is, and I don't mind losing the card. If instead I draw this and I'm playing in multiplayer and the other player hasn't even had their turn, I say to them, look, are you all right with a two-action turn where you draw three cards? And they're like, yeah, I was just going to set up anyway. So they lose an action and they draw three cards for that action. Like Essentially it reads, spend an action to draw three. And there's the awkwardness of if you draw this in upkeep do you pick someone to lose lose an action to draw three and then they draw something difficult to deal with in Mythos and they're like, ah, I'm stuck, I've only got two actions. That's possible. That's part of the, the sting tail of that. Yeah, I think this one's nice as well. For one XP, it's it's cool. Like it you can see that it's stronger at one XP straight away than the two level zero cards making preparations and predator or prey. And that's fascinating to me that they've nailed that really well. I think it's generous for one XP. Draw three, or get an extra action. And yeah, there's some downsides, but who cares about those. Next is Lifeline. This is a one-cost event, one XP with a wild icon. It's rare that we're seeing events with icons on, so that's nice. Fortune traded. Max one per turn. Man, so many limits on these survivor cards. Have the survivor playtesters been really breaking the game? Fast. Play when an investigator's turn would end. That investigator may take X additional actions during their turn. X is the number of skill tests they failed during their turn, Exile Lifeline. So I could fail three, about to be ending my turn, pay one and exile this, and get three actions. That's nice, but I've (laughs) I've had a pretty appalling turn. This makes me think this is a Stella card. For Stella to go crazy and have a seven action turn. She's failing to succeed early on and then hitting the lifeline to proceed. If you're a quick learner, your first test is plus one or plus two difficulty, depending on how many you've taken. But your third and later actions are all minus two difficulty. Hey, difficulty zero plays. So you fail the first action, maybe you fail the second, and then you pass the third, and you pay one for lifeline for two actions. But those two actions, you're getting the quick learner boost as well of dropping the difficulty so maybe that's when you're like okay now we go crazy I throw out um, an exploit weakness on this enemy on you and then I shed some light because the difficulty is really low now and that that's the other thing I forgot to say of course quick learner is the other way that we're dropping difficulty and it, with two quick learner you're dropping by two that's how you deal with your five and six shrouds isn't it a daryl charge a flashlight and two quick learner the shroud is suddenly zero on six shroud if you don't have Daryl, you could still do that on a four shroud or a five shroud with winging it. Pretty good. This is probably an action and an XP. Uh, sorry, probably a resource and an XP for two actions. If you failed all three actions, you could have had value out of all of those fails, but it's unlikely. And at which point, you're paying one to take your turn again. I mean, when you put it that way, rather than just two actions but retake your turn, it's kind of nice. There's something else here for me on the edge of my awareness of can you do something cheeky with Will to Survive and deliberately fail early tests to then get a longer Will to Survive play. I don't think that works. Yeah, nice. I think a cool déjà vu target as well to rebuy. Okay, next is another optimal play announcement. It's Nature of the Beast. One cost, nope, one XP event. Dilemma and insight. max two dilemma per round, Dilemma. Dilemma. Revelation, reveal the top three cards of the encounter deck. Choose an investigator to draw one of the revealed cards and discard the rest. Then choose an investigator to discover one clue at any revealed location. This is a nastier one. The artist is brilliant. There's a chap happily reading a paper and in the background there's another chap wrestling with some massive tentacled monstrosity that illustrates to me how the style probably works for this that you're hoping to use this for clues and you'll have as someone who's a real mythos tank who doesn't mind drawing an extra card but the the kind of tricksy thing about it is you're always getting the encounter draw for a clue so this is i'm spending an xp to draw more encounter cards And yes, you could argue that, of course, you're discarding two other encounter cards, so you are countering the the Mythos deck in some way. The encounter deck, rather. Countering the Mythos in some way. But, yeah. Hmm. What am I missing? I like choose an investigator to discover a clue at any revealed location. It's a mega clue range. That clue that you left behind that you're not going to get. Aha, I'll get it. There's a possibility where someone's so set up they don't mind more encounter cards. And what you need is clues. It's kind of weird, though. I I, I particularly don't like this in solo. Because I'm digging myself into a hole with more encounter draws for single clues. 1 XP for a single clue. No, I'm shaking my head. Okay, next. We're getting through these, but there are still loads left. Next is Gumption. This is a 1 XP skill. Again, the no icons. Man, the theme of this survivor set is no icons. And then Grizzled has a thousand icons. Innate, max one committed per skill test, you may commit Gumption to any type of skill test. While Gumption is committed to a skill test, that test gets minus two difficulty! Yes! Ring that bell. Now you listen here, mister. Okay! Well that's another option. So you don't have to be Daryl, and for one XP you have two Daryls in your deck. Two two drop by two. <laughs> okay yeah i've said so much about dropping difficulty i'm really glad i predicted a difficulty drop basically off the back of exploit weakness because we've seen loads now makeshift trap daryl himself exploit weakness shed a light lifeline doesn't do anything yeah nice gumption's really cool quick learner obviously is in there yeah love it the art is really cool i actually really like the guy in the cardigan cardigan isn't daryl unfortunately lovely moustache Cool guy. He's having a tough time. That's, that's that's not fair. I wonder who that is with the plat. Oh, well. Yeah, gumption. Lovely. If it's a good card, we don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> that's how this works. <gasps> Next is Baseball Bat. Level 2. 2 cost. 2 XP. Double combat icon asset. Item, weapon, melee. Action fight. You get plus 2 combat for this attack. This attack deals plus 1 damage. If a skull or occultist symbol is revealed during this attack, either... Oh, a choice now, rather than discard. Return Baseball back to your hand after this attack. That's nice. Or, this attack deals an additional plus one damage, so it's a three damage hit, and then it discards. A Yorick card? Right? Swing with for plus two and plus one damage. If you're drawing one of those things, you deal three damage instead. Hopefully, you've pulled the skull rather than auto-fail, and the back discards. It's after the attack, so I think the Attackers' well, the damage is dealt the enemy has died so you can't bring vessel back straight away but you wait to to recur it yeah pretty cool with two cost and two xp who else could take it tommy could also take it min could also take it a nice boost i think a nice boost baseball bat is a card that many people have tried to make work and it's tricky to make work and the thing that's so hard about it is the unreliability of it that you're paying for a card that you don't know how long it'll last with scavenging that's less of a problem but the other obviously costly thing is the double hand slot but yeah plus 2 boost and could be running a bandolier as well in Yorick and yeah it, on a skull you might still be passing that test you're swinging at a 6 without any other boosts so swing at a 6 for 3 damage and in theory yeah it's a weird one where like are you somehow then also trying to draw a skull and dealing 3 damage and replaying something else pretty cool Ooh, we have a survivor ally. They're normally a fascinating bunch. This is Katya Eastbank, Keeper of Esoteric Law. 3 cost, 2 XP, Willpower and Intellect icons. Ally and Scholar traded. 2 health, 2 sanity, and ally slot. Let's bookmark that for later. So what does she do? Reaction. When you draw a non-weakness card from the top of your deck before resolving any of its effects exhaust catch east bank place that card face down beneath her limit five cards beneath her draw a new card to replace it action draw any card beneath catch east bank ha ah, the revelation the yeah revelation dilemma abilities comes to life dilemma. that's nice okay the reason i'm thinking about that is i draw a making preparations in upkeep, I don't need or I don't want to do the weird skill thing. Maybe I'm in a real hole and I'm dealing with lots of different situations. So I slot that undercatcher, exhausting her, and I draw another card instead. I hope I'm not running such a dilemma-heavy deck that I just hit another dilemma. But I, instead of just hoping to hit dilemmas at the right time, or like I said earlier, running a really draw-heavy deck, so you're going to draw really hard to hit them aggressively, you run Katya and you store Dilemmas underneath you, and then for action, so unfortunately the Dilemmas then gain an action cost, essentially, you can pick and choose when they trigger. Does Charlie like Katya? Does Charlie like Dilemma? She does have an exhaust ability, but you might not be doing her exhaust ability all the time. Does Charlie like all of these cards? Brain Exploding! Charlie S. Bowes could run the idol, and oh, No, he's got loads of Soak. Again, in Prize Shield, he doesn't care. Maybe he's boosting up rather than dropping difficulty. He might like Dilemmas, though. He could run a suite of Dilemmas so far and draw with Laboratory Assistant and have Katya and not be worrying too much about Katya's ability. She's plus two willpower or plus two intellect for him. Could be a useful slot. She's a 2-2 two, two health and sanity as well, so if he draws his weakness, he can just put one and one on her. It's not too bad. Wow, what a fascinating card. I feel like Dilemma is the way forward here, although there are other options as well of storing other cards until you need them. That seems somewhat costly, but say for the first five turns of the game, essentially catch your reads draw two, because every turn, the first card you draw, you can pick, do I need this in hand or do I slot this for later? She gives you this kind of filtered draw, where the slot for later is, I can get that later. And of course, if you put a bunch of cards under her and she's defeated, they just go in your discard pile, which might not be the worst thing in the world for the faction with recursion. Ooh, okay. There's some edges here of ideas about being really tricksy with her, which I'm intrigued by. It seems like Dilemma is the obvious thing here, but I'm sure people have thought of other things that they can do with Katya. Oh, hey. That's another thing straight away. What is that card? There's End of the Road. If you draw that early, no icons. You slot it under Katya, and you're getting it later. It's fast, so you, you will end up spending an action to get it. There's Lifeline, I suppose, also fast, but you maybe slot that for when you need it. So you fail two actions, then spend an action to draw Lifeline out from the Katya, and then play it, and you get two more actions. That's not too bad. And you end up with this little bank of five cards that you can pick it's a shame that it's an action to draw but it makes sense to me because otherwise this card is insanely strong okay next is heed the dream this was announced by optimal play as well They had multiple dilemmas for them this is augury and dilemma max two dilemma Dilemma. revelation reveal the top card from each investigator's deck and place them in a pile so one from me one from you Then repeat this two more times. So second pile has a card from me and a card from you. Third pile has a card from me, a card from you. Choose one of the three piles. Each investigator draws each of their cards from that pile. Shuffle each weakness in each other pile into its owner's deck and remove each other revealed card from the game. Two XP for this pup. It does seem to have an Ashcan dog that doesn't look much like Duke in it. Early days Duke. This was announced pretty early on in the scheme of things, and I've seen a few people point out that this losing cards from the other two piles is really mean. The gambling, aggressive, want to make progress, want to rush side of me, particularly the solo side of me, just thinks, fine, I don't care if I lose those cards. Yes, it could be a really naughty decision, yes, I can see lots of situations where you see this early and people aren't set up and you're forcing people to decide oh that's my key ally in pile one but in pile two that's your key weapon ah which one do we pick i can see that being a problem there's a mean card in four player there's probably stopping the game for half an hour to discuss i like the decision making it's nice to be having a plan it leads into a very survivory style of having backups for your backups and trying to make do with what you can and say you draw this in upkeep. This is suddenly draw one eye per investigator. So that's kind of nice as well. Everyone draws an extra card. It's just that the penalty is everyone also loses two extra cards. And particularly the weakness text is really mean. It's a shame that you can't pick a pile to kill a weakness. But obviously, weakness sniping otherwise would be so strong. So yeah, in sum, awkward. Fits into that awkward thing. Roll straight back to Katya again, actually. This is the kind of one where if I see it early I really want Katya out and store this and when we get to a point where everyone's doing okay, if I have a spare action to draw this with Katya then we get this really delicious it's almost like Black Market. Here are some cards in play, which is the pile that is going to lead to success most strongly? You know, say there's someone who's really missing a specific thing Ah, okay, it's in pile two Are we alright with losing the other cards in uh, in piles one and three? Because that Pile 2 is going to get us to the end. Someone's about to die, say. Ah, okay, in that pile there's healing, or that pile is soak. That's a nice option. I like that. Next is Salvage. This card was announced by Obscure Studies. And this is the last announced card. I've covered all of them. I think I've shouted them all out. We have two cards after this, which is exciting. Zero cost, 2 XP event. Intellect icon, insight traded. Choose an item asset in your discard pile. Either choose one. Remove that asset from the game and gain resources equal to its cost. Or play that asset, paying its cost. You feel a bit discarded too. Davi's written a really nice article about this, really exploring it well, I think. It's another bit of recursion in Survivor. What a surprise. There's a choice here, though, as well, which is really cool. You're picking an item, and then you're picking, do I just want resources from the cost of that item? It's already in my discard pile. So something has gone wrong or I've I've chosen other things to take. Or do I want that item back? Is that the desire here? So for instance, maybe your second pocket multi-tool you've committed and you're happy with your first one. It's limit one per investigator. So that's fine. So salvage then becomes a cash because pocket multi-tool costs three. I think where this gets stronger is then thinking about assets that have higher cost than that. So maybe you're looking at salvaging in, say, Tommy or Yorick and running expensive weapons, where this could be a a get-rid-of-the-third copy of my suite of weapons, (laughs) the third weapon in my suite, for five resources, say, six resources, if it's a big weapon. That's kind of nice. But you also have that backup that your one weapon you've seen so far gets sniped, and you play this and get that back into pay. pay. So that's kind of cool. I think what you're paying for in terms of the two experience is that it gives you both options and neither option to me feels like a two XP option. But I think that's the thing is the flexibility. That's the cost. And that's fine. <gasps> Old key ring level three upgraded key ring. Does it have more keys in the art? I don't think so. I think it's the same number of keys. We've got to check that. If it was... If it was upgraded old keys, that would be amazing. No, no more keys, alas. <laughs> so this is now 3 XP, 1 cost. It's gained an intellect icon. It's item and tool traded, tool belt, holler Uses 3 keys, so it's gained a key. If there are no keys on old key ring, discard it. Action, investigate. Your location gets minus 2 shroud for this investigation. If you succeed, remove 1 key from old key ring. And if this test's difficulty is 0... Ring that bell, you discover one additional clue. Wow. Okay, well, old keyring itself is already really good. It's really good because obviously you can do things where you can drop difficulty to zero so you can get clues like you can with Flashlight, but the other cool thing you do with old keyring is drop the difficulty in range of look what I found and then not succeed so the keys last for longer. That's a really fun way to play in Stella, where you then get an action for failing and you've Spent no actions, gained two clues, and not lost any keys from the keyring. With this, you've got a double option here of drop to zero to discover two clues at a time. So a one-cost card that can get you six clues. But on the way to doing that, you could also be doing the look-what-I-found thing. So for high shroud, dropping low. With Daryl and the keyring, you're dropping the shroud four to zero. So something like the Underground River, you're just clearing in one in solo. Amazing for an evidence. Let's see how Shed light works. Revisit Shed light. Where is it? Play before revealing a Chaos token. During an investigation, you're performing it only if the difficulty of the test is zero. So I old key ring it, plus whatever other minuses I have. I can't combine it with winging it, but still it could be a Shroud 4 with Daryl or Shroud 6 with Double Quick Learner. And then I'm getting... Two clues from old key ring, a third clue from Shadow Light, a fourth clue. Wow. Admittedly lots of XP to have the double quick learner as well. Wow. Really cool. The three XP is fitting there to say, hey, this is survivor only. Hands off everyone else. Nice. The item tool, tool of course is cool as well that you maybe for locations you don't want to do this, you when you're saving the, that final additional clue, you slot this back on the tool belt. There's probably a tool Belt style in Daryl, if we've got Hawkeye folding camera, old key ring, maybe the pocket multi-tool as well, if that's what you were doing, or maybe, I don't know, research notes as well. There's a lot of hand competition there. Final card. This has gone long. My apologies. It's another dilemma. It's a 3XP dilemma. Wow, the art is very horrific. It's one of those carnival or circus... Zatini on say, I feel like I should remember who that is. It's a crystal ball puppet thing. Fickle fortune, dilemma, and fortune traded. Max two dilemma per round. Revelation: you must decide, choose one. Place one doom on the current agenda. Each investigator heals three damage and three horror. Mega heal, or remove one doom from the current agenda. Each investigator takes one direct damage and one direct horror remove fickle fortune from the game katya has really brought this to life hasn't she because i control when this hits for a mega heal i do this in witching hour and that's amazing if i see it earlier than that we remove a doom and we take a little hit it's just made me think this heals and it heals damage and horror so carolyn and vincent can take it and vincent can obviously take up to level one so he could be doing some kind of dilemma thing with making preparations Predator or Prey, At a Crossroads, and Nature of the Beast. So there are six dilemmas we've seen in total. This one seems seems fine, yeah? Yeah, Witching Hour, if you can control when you see it, for a huge heal, that's basically a party reset, Is is very nice removing a doom is also strong but actually everyone getting pinged for direct is quite nasty particularly if you're in these some of those unbalanced health sanity pools and i like that it has the remove from the game so you can't abuse it and remove loads of doom yeah oh where mm-hmm. jury's out for me on dilemma still fascinating i think katya Bank has really changed up how how i think about them and that seems like the first four xp on katya would be amazing for that style I'm still not sure who that style really works with, and again, Patrice has the heaviest draw, so probably in Patrice. But I don't know, <laughs> and yeah, it could be could be a, a weird one, I guess. I suppose as well, if she draws into a load of dilemmas in one go, she chooses which to do, and the others are fodder for Idol of Xanatos if she wants to do the Idol, or they're fodder for Cornered if she's doing Cornered, which seems fine. And other than that, a really cool mixture. I've loved the Difficulty Zero theme. Exploit Weakness and Shed of Light seem like they're a really good fit for that. Lifeline is a really cute card as well. Gumption, really sweet. Sorry, I forgot that when I was talking about the Key Ring as well. Sling in some Gumption. I think I want to build a Daryl Difficulty Zero deck next. It's different, obviously, from Butterfingers, but it seems like a really fun deck to play. So that's probably top of the list for me. And how about for you, with not just these Survivor cards, but all of the Scarlet Keys cards? What are the ones that have got you excited? What are the things that you are really buzzing to try out? I'd love to hear from you. We're drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and Patreon. And if you want to become a patron for the low, low price of, I think it's $2 a month, we'd be delighted to have you join us. Thanks to all our patrons so far. I'm your host, Frank. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've had a real fun time doing it. And yeah, stay tuned. We've got loads more stuff coming up. So hopefully I'll get my voice back at some point. Take care. Bye. Dynamo.